following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Good morning. Uh, Our reading today is from Acts chapter 2, and we're reading verses 1 through to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming days of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, my name's David Day and I worship here at St Nick's. Let's pray together. O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive your church with life and power. O wind of God, come cleanse, renew us, and fit your church to meet this hour. In the name of Christ, amen. This is a very well-known passage that we've had read. There's lots in it. There's lots and lots to be said about it. But for me, there were just three ideas that I wanted to pick out. They stood out for me. And I'm going to concentrate on those three ideas 
you might pick out three entirely different ideas. That's fine. That's good. Just tell me I was wrong at the door afterwards. Uh, but here are my three. And the first one is 50. Today is the day of Pentecost. It's not the most exciting name for a festival. 50. Because the word means 50 in Greek. The Jews also called it the Feast of Weeks, which if anything is even worse really. You can imagine a small Jewish lad who's quite enjoyed Passover and he wants to know what happens next. So he says, Dad, Dad's read the newspaper. Dad, I really enjoyed all the games we played and all the songs we sang at Passover. Can you tell me what festival comes next? Dad is reading the paper and mutters, weeks. What? Says the boy. You know, for a minute I thought you said weeks. I did. Feast of weeks. It doesn't mean anything, Dad, the feast of weeks. All right then, son, he says, putting his paper down. Fifty. What? The feast of fifty? We leave him there with his problem. In fact, actually, the Feast of 50, Pentecost, is one of what's being called the life and death festivals in Israel. In a, in a society which depends on, depends on the soil, a good or bad harvest is really important. It's all the difference between a full stomach and dying of starvation. So around about Passover time, you look very carefully for the harvest and there on Passover time is the barley harvest, it comes up. So you wave the stuff, the barley stuff before God, just to say thank you. Um, and you know that these are the first fruits, they're a kind of upfront deposit, a guarantee that the rest of the harvest is on its way. What about the 50? Well, you've seen the barley harvest, now you count, if you're an ancient Israelite, 50 days, that's the 50, or seven weeks if you want to call it weeks. And then the grain harvest will arrive, wheat and oats and all that stuff. In 50 days time there will be a celebration of the first fruits of the rest of the harvest. Rosemary and I were walking, it's a walk that we've come to know very well, but this was the beginning of all the clothes down when I learned to walk again. We were walking from Crook Hall, you know it, all the way to Newton Hall, and we came on our right as we walked upon Feast of Barley, a whole field right down to the river was barley. And I thought to myself, if I, if I was in Israel now, I would be counting 50 days now and looking out for the grain harvest. 50 days later, roughly, give or take, the field on this side was also full, not of barley, but of something else, the grain harvest. So the 50 days is a promise from God that if today was good, then in 50 days' time, it's going to be even better. Suddenly this word 50 days starts to mean something more to me. For me, 50 days points to a God who says, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now it's a word I like to remember. It's not a bad word at all. 
This week I read a report uh, that said about Pentecost, it's very gloomy, said about Pentecost, as a festival, Pentecost does not attract many more worshippers than does an ordinary Sunday. Great, if that's the best you can say. It's really sad that, isn't it, really? It's just like any other Sunday. Because the heart of Pentecost, or 50 days, is a promise. Jesus was the first part of the harvest. At Passover, he died and rose again and broke the chains of death for us. As the Bible put it, he was the first fruits of them that sleep. And just wait, says God. You ain't seen nothing yet. There is a second lot of first fruits. Another harvest coming. We need the festival of 50 days. It speaks to Christians who know what it is to feel empty. I don't know where this speaks to you this morning. To feel empty, to feel burned out, to feel just tired, stale, same old, same old. Longing for something new and for renewal. Some of you remember John Pritchard, he was, vicar, he was a bishop here for a time and he wrote a book called Beginning Again. And chapter one's interesting because chapter one is called Starting and Restarting with God. And maybe for some that's what you want to hear. Many of us, he says in his book, know that our faith has run into the ground. More dramatically, Philip Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God. Is that where you are? So Pentecost, or 50 days, is in fact a really exciting promise. It says, part one was good, part two is going to blow your mind. That's my first word. My second word is witness. I was talking to a member of the congregation this week about this Holy Spirit and she said lots of Christians will speak about feeling that moment when the wind is behind you. I knew what she meant. I wonder if you know what she meant. Pentecost is about the wind being behind you. As the hymn says, none can guess the grace till they become the place wherein the Holy Spirit makes his dwelling. None can guess the grace until that moment. I was looking at a book about the Holy Spirit and it had 35 different gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. 35. Mind-blowing. But Pentecost concentrates on just one of those gifts. The gift of witnessing to Jesus so that people come to believe in him as Saviour and Lord. That's the concentration of this wonderful story. I said part one is about Jesus being the first fruits of the harvest and part two does not let you down, as I said. In part two there is a second harvest. God gives the Holy Spirit to his disciples. You shall receive power, he says, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. When you read the passage, as Catriona was reading to us, it is full of images. You can hear Luke wrestling to describe the indescribable. 
There was a sound, he says. It, it was like the noise of a rushing wind. It wasn't a wind, but it was like it. And everyone who heard that description would know that wind, spirit, and breath are all the same word in Greek. So there was no doubting that it meant power. And then there was something, something like fire. It wasn't fire, but it was like it. And everyone who heard this would know that fire is one of the images of God. You think immediately the burning bush, you can think of Sinai and the giving of the law, you could think of fire from heaven in the day of Elijah. So it was about power, okay, and the powers from God. And the third image, breaking the language barrier. The disciples spoke in other languages or dialects, the word can mean either. They spoke about the glorious act of God and people from the 15 nations mentioned in our passage, you've counted the red flowers, haven't you? Each one stands for a nation of the world. Don't count now, please, just, just listen, all right. 15 of them. And uh, people from the 15 nations mentioned in the passage could hear all about God in a language or a dialect that they could understand. They received a message from God that was just for them, personal, directly to them. Just imagine what it was like to be one of those devout people and hearing all this. It's possible they're not visitors to Jerusalem at all. Many suggest that the passage says they lived there. That's one way of translating it. They had moved to the holy city, perhaps retired there even. Just listen to one of them. I've lived in Jerusalem for years, but actually I was born in Pamphylia. And today I heard the authentic accents of my country. Just a young girl speaking about God in pure Pamphylian. Reminded me of my mum. Sometimes I feel a long way from home. But today I heard God say that he loves me and he spoke in the language of the heart. I remember one of those times when I felt the spirit blowing through me. I was speaking at a church festival and that evening in the program they were doing a, a drama and at the end the vicar said to me, you've got 10 minutes to speak about the gospel at the, when the drama is finished. Well, when the drama is finished I went up and I did my 10 minutes speaking about the gospel, about Jesus. Uh, and when it was over, people were getting up to go home, so I went down to mingle. And I saw a, a lad, I was think mid-twenties probably, uh, and I went up and uh, we chatted and said hello and I asked him, what do you think about what I just said? And he turned to be quite interested, so we talked a lot more and we talked about the gospel and the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. And at one point in our conversation he said, it's a funny thing, he said, but my girlfriend told me this week that she had given her life to Jesus. I said, I'll keep in touch with you. I'll give you a ring tomorrow, okay? Give you a buzz. And when I phoned, he said, my mother rang me up today from London and she said she had given her life to Jesus. 
it's not at all like her. And I remember saying, perhaps someone is trying to tell you something. <laughs> anyway, I was going to keep in touch with him, and two days later, he phoned me. And he said, I thought you'd like to know, I gave myself to Jesus today on the train to London. No better place. Mm. And for me, that chain of events was an experience of feeling the Holy Spirit at work, of the wind blowing, the wind behind you, and being enabled to do, to approach, I didn't know him, to say the right things, being empowered to witness. Right, my third word. We sometimes pray, Lord, renew us by your spirit. What is the secret? Two weeks ago, Claire invited us to pray, come Holy Spirit. It's a good prayer to pray. But what struck me most when reading this passage is the context of the prayer. So what's the secret? Well, in chapter 1, Jesus said to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. And chapter 1 is about the disciples, 120 of them doing what Jesus told them to do. So the key word for me, this third key word, is the word together. They were all together, it says, in one place. They'd been together for 10 days waiting, physically, physically together. It struck me how our bodies are very important for us, aren't they? The problems of the lockdowns have often turned on the fact that people couldn't be physically with someone they loved. They couldn't hug them. They couldn't even hold their hands, even if they were dying. And this lack of contact, physical contact, often led to deep depression and inability to function. I wrote something that stuck in my mind. I read something that stuck in my mind. man wrote, my thoughts become poisonous. In Acts, the church responds to the time of waiting with the word together. We do this together. No doubt they prayed, but together. They thought about who should be the twelfth member of the apostles, and they discussed this together. Who should it be? Together. They did everything together. It's just struck me. When the Holy Spirit came, he came to all of them. The Spirit gave Peter the passage from the prophet Joel, and you will have noticed the words when Catriona read them. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my Spirit in those days. While we are thinking about the Spirit renewing us, let's not forget the together. Joel spoke of male and female, of masters and servants, of young and old, even female servants, he says, the lowest in the pecking order. All of them together received the Spirit. Often we act as if the renewal of the Holy Spirit were an individual thing, just tea for two, Jesus and me, nobody else, not for you. And we miss the incredible gift of other Christians. We do not have to go it alone. 
We are surrounded by brothers and sisters. They support us, they encourage us, they advise us, they walk with us, they correct us sometimes, they pray with us, they share with us. Sometimes people say, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Why ever would you deliberately cut yourself off from the body of Christ? It's like the leg saying, I want to see if I can manage the London Marathon without the rest of my limbs. It's balmy. How many togethers do you have in your Christian life? It's often one-to-one, -one, a soul friend, classman to you. Maybe it's a small group of six to twelve people who meet to study and pray. Maybe a bigger group, like 30 in a Zoom meeting, not forgetting the hundred or so in church. All these groups contribute to our living in the spirit. In the pandemic, we grew used, didn't we? We grew used to being in very small groups of two or even one and physically disconnected. I'm just praying that that doesn't become a habit. Don't let it become a habit. And the story of Pentecost is a poke in the ribs. Basically it says, don't despise the body of Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, renew us by your spirit. Inspire us with your love and unite us in the body of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.